Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. This week's podcast episode is brought to us by Calamtic. Calamtic is a modern collaboration, training, and support platform for service organizations and technicians. It is designed to enable service organizations to retain and grow valuable knowledge to give technicians the confidence and insight they need to service customers. We really want to thank Collabtic for being a sponsor of this week's episode, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen, and I am your host. On today's episode, I am joined by somebody that I've had some pretty interesting conversations with and some a, a lot of fun. Always have fun with Marshall, but able to, to kind of talk about some things from the perspective of a technician. And I think for a lot of you shops that are out there listening, I think this will be really helpful for you. And for a lot of you technicians out there, I think it might give you some different perspective on how to handle some of the young people that come into your shop. So Marshall Sheldon, how are you doing today? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, where do you live at? Where are you calling us in from? I live in Georgia, but I spent most of my life in the Midwest, you know, Wyoming and Colorado area. All right. So little backstory, you started off really in the military, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in the Marine Corps first and I was in Motor T. And so when I when I got out, I felt like I, I took a hiatus for a while and I didn't really do anything. <laughs> for probably like six months, you know, and just kind of just try to be a normal person because it's a different, it's definitely different, you know? Yeah. So what, what were you doing in the Marine Corps? So I was in Motor T, which is, you know, it's, I drove trucks in the Marine Corps. So. All right. And how does this segue into you working on stuff? Like what, what was it that got you interested in just kind of getting your hands dirty and, and diving in and actually doing the work? Right. So I, like I said, I took that break and then they, my, my girlfriend had got pregnant. And so I was just like, well, you know, I need to get a job, obviously. So I got a job and I worked actually before I started working on trucks, I worked in like a respite home for like disabled people. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. That was my first job out of the Marine Corps. I don't know. I felt like it was like a karma thing. You know, I just, I need to get some karma, some good karma. But uh, so I did that for a little bit and, and I loved it. I really did. I really loved it. But I, I don't know. I, I felt the connection to trucks because of the Marine Corps and I was comfortable with trucks and it was something that I knew. And so I was just, I, I found an ad in the newspaper. It sounds a little cliche, but you know, in 2005, you, the phones weren't even close to as good as they are now, you know, the iPhone was two so, years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was, you know, so yeah, so I found a, it was an ad in the newspaper and I just drove over there. Like, like you did back then, you know, you went to the place and the foreman came up front and him and I talked for a little while and he was like, well, yeah, they was looking for a wash hand. And I was like, dude, that's right up my alley. I think it was like $12 or 1250 an hour. And he said, you know, he, he asked, do I know how to weld or anything like that? And I was like, no, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to work though. You know, if, if you're willing to teach me, I'll, I'll do anything you ask me to. So, and he said, great, dude, let's do it. You know, so he hired me on. The guy's name was Nate Nielsen. A little shout out that dude. Yeah. Like, shout out Nate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so he hired me on and, you know, I just, I worked my guts out for Nate, you know, and he would, always look out for everybody in the shop. Dude was a, a pretty sweet dude and just always looking out 
Like if you, you couldn't call in to Nate, like if you tried to call in, he like, Oh, it's a weather's real bad. You know, I can't get out of my driveway. He's the type of leader that would be like, dude, I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm <coming to> get <laughs> you. <laughs> You're coming to work, you know? But yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it started is I was just in, in the, and they're just washing trucks and the, the, the other mechanics in the shop, you know, they were cool. And I just tried to help, you know, all the time. So like if they're if the truck was, they were working on a truck, they got to change a tire or whatever. I'd be like, Hey man, let me throw the jack stands under there for you. You know, just yeah. trying to help because if I didn't have anything to do, I, I just stayed busy and Nate was big on staying busy, you know? So he, he, he was always making sure everybody was busy and working and that was his job, you know? So I just tried to help. If I seen him rebuilding the engine, I'd be like, Hey man, can I wash those parts in the parts washer for you? You know? And they, when you're out there trying to help them, you know, they're going to teach you a thing, you know, this is what we do with this. And this is what this is for, you know, I, I didn't know really anything, you know, I never really even changed a battery in my car or anything 15 wow. years ago, you know, that's nuts. I mean, to, yeah. to move to where, and we'll talk about where you are current day, but that's, that's super impressive. Now, I'm curious with your, what you talked about staying busy. I remember in my time in a shop, that was one thing where if the manager walked out in the shop and you were just standing there, you felt like yeah. your heart sank, right? Like, and it would, <laughs> yeah. like it wasn't even like you were intentionally just standing there. Maybe you just had like a little time in between or something. But if they caught you just standing there, you're like, oh, no, I look like an idiot. Yeah. And a good foreman or a good manager will hit you with some kind of saying, you know what I mean? That they you know, some kind of shop saying, usually they're halfway vulgar, you know, so probably not good for a podcast. But yeah, they'll hit you with something. They'll hit you with some kind of saying, yeah, you know, you're going to retire over there or something, you know, something along those lines, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, it, and I think it's it's hard when you're a young tech because I think your intentions, for the most part, I know, I know there are some that are screwing around now on their phones or whatever, but for the most part, I think you're you're trying to stay busy or try to look busy, but sometimes you just like wear yourself out mentally trying to come up with the next thing to do. And especially like when the shop's slow and you're like, I've already swept the floor like three times. I'm not sure what else I'm supposed to do here. And you're almost afraid to go ask somebody. And that's, yeah. it's, it's kind of a weird spot to be in. Yeah. And one of Nate's favorite deals at that shop, they had the shop drains, you know, like they had big, long shop drains that went all the way down. The Clean street. them out, get the shovel out. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the worst on a hot day. Oh. It smells terrible. Not oh, great. Oh, yeah. 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 That was his favorite. So if you if you didn't have anything, if you couldn't find yourself something to do and you had to go ask Nate to to give you something <laughs> to do, he would come up with some doozies like pull all the all the lights out one at a time and then take the la the light shades down and clean them all up, put it all back together. Oh, man. It's a good manager. That, honestly, like that's the stuff that I think you knew in the back of your head. You're like, oh, if I go ask, I know what's coming. Like yeah. this, this is a this is a, it's not going to be a fun job that's coming next. Yeah. So that's why I always just went to the text and be like, hey, man, let me help you do this. Let me do that. <laughs> you know, let me do something. But, you know, Nate was he was cool, though, because if he saw me busy, he you know, that's all he cared about. So if I was helping a tech, he was cool with that, you know. Yeah. And then basically it segued from being the wash hand to, you know, being like the, a lube type tech, you know, would be the best way to describe it. Sure. I didn't have any tools, like literally zero tools when I went there. 
And I was like, I told Nate, you know, he's like, well, why don't you go grease that truck up, you know? And I'm like, I don't know how to do any of that. And he goes, well, just go over there and try it. You know, this is what a greaser looks like. That's literally like I had greased trucks in the Marine Corps. So I knew like kind of what I was going to do. But like Humvees and semi trucks are totally different things, you know? Yeah. So but I kind of had a basic idea. So I got the grease gun. I got under there and I just started greasing things. And then Nate would come over and look and see if I missed anything. And then he would tell me, "Okay, well, this is where you're supposed to grease everything. And luckily that fleet, they were all Debbie 900. So it was like every truck was the same. So it like you could figure it out pretty quick. And so same with the trailers, you know, he and he tried to pull a fast one on me every once in a while. He, he sent me under a truck, a trailer, uh, an old trailer from like the 60s and it had wedge brakes. And I don't know if you're familiar with the way those are set up, but there's nowhere in there for you to put any grease. Right. So he'd be like, well, go get that trailer greased up. And I come back. I'm like. Hey man, I can't find no grease. So get back <laughs> over there and get it greased up, you know. <laughs> Just get I, messing with you. I think that's that's something kind of fun about our industry in general is you know some of the some of the joking around, some of the the fun times in a shop. I think that's stuff that stays with you forever. I know. Just a quick story from my experience in a shop. I was working at my dad's shop in high school, and there was we grew up in a small town, really really small town. And we had a local radio station and like just a, you know, local country radio station. It was like the only one that came in in our shop at the time. Right. And so I used to, uh, one of the veteran techs in the shop was this, you know, mid, you know, probably mid thirties, 40 year old single guy. And so I would, and we, we called him a hoop. And so I would call the radio station and request songs like once a week to hoop from his secret admirer. And so they would come over the, <laughs> over the shop speakers. And, uh, and so it's, it, some of that stuff is just the, the stuff that you you never forget. Like that, that's the, the cool stuff about our business. I think that I'm sure there's camaraderie in, in other yeah. industries as well, but ours just feels like there's, there's a lot of that and a lot of fun. Yeah. That's pretty epic though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I asked him if he remembered that I saw him like a, a year ago and asked him and he's like, Oh I can't That's say what best, he told yeah. me on here, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, he <laughs> yeah. he didn't think it was quite as funny as I did, but yeah, he yeah. got he got back at me over and over and over again, so it it didn't matter. But so, talk to me a little bit about transition from military life into civilian life as it related to a shop, because there's a there's a transition there in general, and I've had other guests on in the past where we've talked about that transition and the difficulties that come along with that. But it is a real challenge, right? I mean, it's not like you just up and leave the Marine Corps and then all of a sudden you're just in normal life. It's it's yeah. kind of different. So I feel like that took that process took a couple of years. You know, it was hard to go from the military lifestyle, which is all very structured to like now you can do whatever you want. Like you're your own person because you feel like. You're not your own person when you're, you know, enlisted in the military, right? I'm sure the other ones feel that way, but I know for the Marine Corps, felt like, like that's all I did, and I ate, breathed, breathed, and slept Marine Corps, you know. So it was, didn't really go out into town or nothing, you know. I did, you know, go to bars and stuff when I was old enough, but uh, it's all very structured, you know. If your pay's there, the doctor is all there, everything's on base. You don't really have to go out and do anything. So I feel like it was all really structured. And so then when you go out into the real world, 
it's a lot different. I really only had like a cell phone bill and an insurance on my car bill. You know, I owned my car. And so then you now you've got rent and utilities and all of these things that I wasn't paying then. And then and then a young family, you know, so I felt like it it really took a couple of years to really, you know, you were mature really quickly as a person, but like you don't those life skills, you kind of miss out on some of those life skills that if I'd have been in college and had bills and things like that, I feel like I maybe would have been a little different, maybe, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting that you say that because I haven't really heard that perspective of it before where it's not not so much even like we always talk about the language barrier, you know, when you're going from the military to civilian life where, you know, you, you, it is like you're talking a different language altogether. But then, you know, I didn't think about it from the aspect of you don't have bills, you don't have that kind of stuff, you don't have like normal civilian life stuff when you're in the military your focus is singular your focus is on getting better in that area not necessarily your home finances so that is uh, that's really intriguing i never thought of that yeah especially like young you know young marines are like your first tour so like your first four years that first four years you know you're a young person you're you know after four years you join when you're you know some people like 17 you can go in when you're 17 and some people 18 mainly, but so then you're what, 22 or 21 by the end of your first tour. And you're, that's young. Yeah. You know, 21, 22, dude, you just got to go to the bar. You know what I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> you know? So, so where were you at? Like in the military where, well, I mainly was in Camp Lejeune, you know, we do lots of training all over, you know, and I was a Hollywood Marine. That's what they call that. So I was <laughs> on, the, on the West coast. So uh, is is that San Diego or where is yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. where I went to boot camp. And then my duty station was in Camp Lejeune. So. All right. Do you watch Top Gun yet? The new one? No, I haven't watched it yet. I, I want to watch it. I like Tom Cruise though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's funny. Just the, the San Diego setting. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that kind of struck that with me. But to get back on track here a little bit, I think yeah, yeah. when we talk about mentorship and what it means to you, I think in our conversations that we've had, one of the things that really stuck out to me was that you had somebody early on in your career that took you under their wing and really was able to to do it differently than I think a lot of other managers do. And I think it had, you know, based on our conversations, a pretty big impact on you and, and your pride yeah. level in mentoring young people now. I want you to talk a little bit about him a little bit further, right? Like, what was it about him that was, was so different? And what was it that made him, you know, to this day, made you loyal to him or like even be able to respect him at that level? Yeah. So it's really two or kind of a, you know, it takes a village, you know, but I feel like that first shop that I went to, it was a take it, it takes a village kind of thing, you know, like, and I go back to Nate a little bit because, you know, Nate taught me all kinds of stuff, had a, had a weld and really set a good example of what a leader is supposed to be, you know, and all the welding stuff, you know, and just, like I said, he would come get you. You know what I mean? If you if you if you called in and you're like, hey, man, I can't get out of my driveway and try to give him an excuse why you can't come into work. He's like, I'm on my way to come get you, you know, and that's just the type of person he was. And I, I feel like that I needed that as a young man coming into a civilian lifestyle that really kind of I needed that structure from yeah. him, you know, and forever loyal to, to Nate. You know, I, I still talk to him regularly. And and then he had at that time, he had a guy that named Ted. Ted Wren, shout out Ted. Ted worked at WildTech as the advanced diesel instructor years ago. 
And Ted, he's, he's an older seller. And so even at that time, and so, you know, he didn't really get around real good, but he was a real good, he knew anything and everything about a truck that you could possibly imagine. And so, you know, he taught me building differentials and building transmissions and how to do clutches and engine work, all of those things at that fleet shop. And, uh, and really, you know, all the detail oriented things that I, I was already, the Marine Corps made me very detail oriented, but it just, he kind of lasered in on that because that's the type of engine builder he is, or, or you, you always want to take it a step further, you know what I mean? When you can. Yeah. And so clean work is good work, you know, and that was really a, a Ted thing is, is, is Ted really enforced that with me that even though we work at a fleet shop, doesn't mean that we can't do dealer level type work. Sure. And so he was really big on like, this is how you would do it. And we just, cause we're at a fleet, we don't shortcut things. We don't halfway do it. We're going to do it just like, like that. And so that whole five years I worked at that fleet shop, every repair, I tried to do it a little bit better each time I had to do that same repair. How can I make this just a little bit cleaner? How can I make it a little bit better? And in my mind, I was always thinking I'm going to a dealer. So I need to practice like a dealer tech would be. Right. And so that's kind of the mindset that I had. And that's, that's kind of the way Ted was because he's like, dude, you're not going to work here forever. Like I'd love it if you stayed here for a million years, but you're not. You know what I mean? What was it you about know, the I, dealer that was like that that shining star that you you wanted to go there? Well, you know, I, I, you can lean it on the Marine Corps a little bit too because you know we we're the best, right? That's the way we think. We're yeah. we're, we're we're the best at what we do. The toughest, and, of, yeah, it, right, Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. So I want to be the the best at what I do, and you know that dealer from the fleet, you know, looking in is like those guys are the the baddest dudes around, right? I, I'm the baddest dude around. I want to be part of that, right? So that's what I was thinking. I want to be the baddest dude around. And so I started looking, you know, where's where's the baddest dudes work at? Because that's where I want to be. Because I want to have that. When you work at a shop that has a good reputation, you have a good reputation, you know? So when you're like, hey, you're at the barbecue and dude's like, hey, where are you working at? I'm like, oh, dude, I work over wherever. And there he's like, oh, man, I heard that all the ballers work over there. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's so much there's so much pride that goes into that. Right. Because you're you know, you're busting your tail every day. You want to be known as as the best or is that you're you know, you're you're at a level that is adequate for a place like that. You know, and I, I think I think you're right. I think there's a lot of texts that really desire to be in that realm, right? Like it's, it's almost a respect thing and a, you know, a measure of your ability to be able to get into a place like that. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's kind of how I segued from the fleet to the dealer is I really just practiced. Like when I was at the fleet, I was thinking in the back of my mind, this is how I've got to do it to get there. And luckily I had people like Nate and, and Ted, to that knew I wasn't going to be at the fleet forever. And, and, you know, Nate, without me even really knowing it was training me how to run that shop. He was giving me those leadership, that leadership guidance, that mentorship to run the shop. And so eventually what happened one day is, you know, he comes in and he's like, Hey, uh, tomorrow's my last day, dude. I'm like, what? 
And he goes, <laughs> I taught you everything you need to know to run the shop. See you. Wow. And he loaded up. And I said, well, where are you going? I wasn't ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> you know, he, says, <laughs> he says, well, you know, I'm going over to Kenwood. And I was like, oh, makes sense, you know. Yeah. And so he, he, he went over to Kenworth and, um, and our lead tech, which also had a heavy influence the guys named Colin shout out, Colin going to shout out all the people today. That's what it's all about. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So he, him, the two of them went over to, uh, to Kenworth and uh, I was like, man, I want to go to Kenworth too. You know what I mean? But I felt like, Hey, it's a, it's an opportunity for me to really step up and, and, and help the shop and, and I'm, I'm not ready to be a dealer techie. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have any confidence, enough confidence in myself that I could go work at a dealership level at that time. So, so probably like the next year and a half, I really just focused in the back. Like I was saying earlier, I really just focused on this is what I need to do to get to that level. You know, I need to, I need to work harder. I need to push it harder. I need to learn more and I need to be the best that I can be here before I, before I take that next step, you know? Is there an opportunity for for fleets to have that reputation? You know, I think you talked about it from the standpoint of being able to go to a dealer. It, it, are there opportunities for that that fleet that's out there listening right now that you know they want to be known as the baddest dudes in town? They want to know they want to be known as as really uh, the top of their game, but maybe they don't have access to some of the manufacturer training or tooling or, you know, some of that. So is there opportunities or are there opportunities for a fleet to distinguish themselves? And I, I'm, I'm picking on fleet a little bit here, but this could be for yeah. anybody, right? Maybe it's a lesser reputation shop or dealership, anybody that's out there, but like, how, how do they work their way to get to that point? Right. So I feel like there's some key ingredients, right? So when I thought, in my area, small town, Wyoming, right? When I thought I want to go work at the dealer, my thoughts might have been different if I had thought, okay, where are the baddest dudes in town work? That was my first thing. Where where do the, 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 the best technicians work at? Where do the technicians that get the most pay work at? That was my yeah. second thing. I want to make yeah. money. I'm hungry. You know, well, what what do you think it. draws what do you think draws the baddest dudes, right? Like the the best of the best. It it right. starts with money. The other stuff is really nice, and the other benefits are great to have. But probably at the end of the day, it, it's money that's going to draw. Right, you know, right. so if if the if that fleet out there goes out and pays above everybody else, they probably don't have the same problem that they have now. Right, right. But so I feel like when I started, when I was like, okay, I'm ready, we could, this is a perfect way to segue into when I decided I was ready, because now I'm ready to start looking. And so these are the things that I was looking for. And it, you know, like you said, to those fleets and other shops or whatever you that are out there and wondering how, how do we be that, that person? Well, it, if you think for a second that not every tech in town knows what their, your techs make, you're wrong. 100%. I say this all the time. It drives me crazy. Everybody's trying to be so secretive. And I'm like, it, it's out there. Like everybody, everybody knows. knows. Yeah. 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 Everybody knows what your benefits are. Everybody knows what you pay your text. Everybody knows if you train your text, everybody in town knows, you know, yeah. it's you, you, it. If you think that your top performing tech doesn't have a best friend at the shop across town, you're wrong too. Yeah. You know, because if, like I, I, I work at a Kenworth dealer and I have friends that work at Peterbilt. 
sometimes I need help with a Peterbilt and sometimes they need help with the Kenworth and we help each other out, you know, and the same thing I would assume is, you know, with Honda and Toyota. Sure. Boy works over at Toyota. He hollers at you and he's like, hey, dude. And then next thing you know, they're like, hey, you want to meet up at lunch? You say, yeah, let's let's have a drink or whatever. Let's let's meet up and have a sandwich. And they're like, hey, man, how's the shop over there? You guys busy? Like, oh, yeah, we're swamped, you know, and then you're like, man, I'm stacked up, too. You know what I mean? And you're just shooting the bull because it's your friend. And he's like, hey, man, I'm going to training next week. Oh, heck, yeah. You've been going to a lot of training. Next thing you know, everybody knows, you know, you, you, that's how those things go. And just a and natural conversation. Just, yeah, it's just that's the way it is. So, you know, I don't I don't you can't be secretive about it. It's it's it is what it is. Everybody knows. And so, you know, that's what I'm saying is like I knew that that cat dealer that we had in town, those guys, you couldn't get in that shop. They paid well. And the only way you was getting in there is if somebody died or retired. And I wanted to work there. But like I said, there wasn't any openings. There hadn't been any openings for a long time. I don't, I'd kept my eye open for a while and asked around and everybody's like, nah, man, you either got to know a guy or somebody's got to die or. But the, the paradigm shift right there, right? Where you go from the shop that's desperate to get people and is, you know, they, in my opinion, a lot of times the messaging that they put behind it seems desperate. And I think techs can smell that all day long. That's like a whereas, blood in the water, brother. It is. It is. Whereas yeah. like that cat dealer that you're talking about that had set the precedent that this is a tough place to get into. And it's because we treat our people really well. They get paid well. They get trained well. We give them adequate tooling. Like we we give them everything they need to do to do their job. It's just a completely different viewpoint from the, the shoes of a technician. And I think that's what so many people miss out on is like they're so worried about people stealing their people. I'm like, you're worried about the wrong thing. Worry about creating an environment that's so great that everybody wants to come work for you. Right, right. That's exactly right. You know, it's everybody in town wanted to work there, you know, and 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 then also the Kenworth dealer that we had, you know, they were known for having the top pay. And really training the crap out of their techs. And that's why, you know, those, those, those guys that I knew had went there. And, but I, I was like, man, that's, you know, I talked to them. How's it looking over there? You guys, they didn't have any openings when I was ready. And I, I really wanted to make the move and, and they didn't have any, any openings. So a Volvo dealer opened up over there and I thought, oh man, that's a ticket. You know what I mean? New dealer, maybe the expectations might be just, just a little bit less. And so I got in on the ground floor over there, worked there for a couple of years. And that's really where my mentorship kind of kind of shined. Even back then, you couldn't mid-level technicians, three to five year techs, which are nearly impossible to get right now, were, 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 were far few and far between then. And so I had to start training kids up. And so that was kind of where that, that mentorship really started to shine. And I really started to develop a mental checklist what I needed to do. And each technician I trained was better than the, than the last, you know, and I was like, okay, this works, this doesn't work. And I just kind of just, just started going down the list. And Were you taking things that you had learned from the, the, the guys that had got you in and taken them, uh, taking you under their wing and kind of implementing and maybe putting your own spin on it for the techs that were coming under you? Yeah. So it was really, it was a mix of, of the, of the leadership stuff that I learned in the Marine Corps. And the, the leadership style that I learned from, from Nate and, and, and our lead tech in that shop, Colin, 
And I really blended those all together into my own thing. And then I feel like in life, you meet great people, right? And when you meet someone great and, and they make an influence on you, some people, they have things that are bad about them too, right? Nobody's perfect. Right. And so I've always been really good at being able to take that thing that somebody's really great at and absorb that and then just kind of forget the things that I know that that person is bad about, especially in our field. You know, if somebody's really good at diagnosing something, I'm I want to be in it. You know, how would you do it? How did you get there? What did you see? How did you what did you look for first? What did you you know? And I'm asking 100 questions. So I take those that checklist that they did. And then I just, and I take it, that guy might be terrible at swapping out parts or he's got <laughs> poor, poor repair quality or whatever, but he is exceptional at this one thing. And everybody, I feel like all the technicians I've worked with over the years, they, they're probably exceptional at maybe one or two things. So if you can find that exceptional thing about the guy or girl in the bay next to you, take that, take that thing. And make it make it yours. I think you're able to see that then with the people that are coming under you, right? Like where you see and can kind of pinpoint maybe a little bit of they. You can tell they're start they're pretty strong in this area, but oh, not as yeah. strong there. And I I think like I feel like when I was growing up in the industry, everybody felt like you had to be good at everything. And I mm. think we're getting a little bit better at understanding that there's nobody that's going to be perfect at everything. And there are some that are just excellent diagnostic people. There's, you know, they're also excellent at the actual repair, but those are becoming far, like they're, they're becoming more rare. And I, I think being able to help a young person understand what their strengths are is so vital because that's how they're going to build confidence when they know what that, that they actually are good at something and that they have a skill set to build off of, you know, I think there's so many shops that maybe miss that point because they're they focused on how they screwed up an oil change, yet they don't even know that they they have some level of diagnostic ability, and they're they're kind of right. missing you the ball feed together. It. You got to yes. feed it, you know, and you got to figure it out quick. That's where when you take a uh, you, they can be older too, but let's call them kids just for all intensive purposes. You know, when you get a new person in and you and you just throw them out there to the wolves, you know, what do you know about them? You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta have a mentor type tech in your shop that's good at that kind of stuff. And and I feel like maybe some of the stuff gets lost in the flat rate stuff. They they don't have the time to do that. You know, I, I've always worked hourly, so I don't take advantage of that. But that's important to me because I, my quality of work doesn't suffer, my diagnostic stuff doesn't suffer, and I'm able to take the time to do what I do. And that's training technicians and, and, and making quality repairs each and every time, you know, so they've got to be able to, to dig in with that person and figure out, cause you, you, there's, there's cues, you know, when you're, when you're working with them, they're going to, you're going to see right away. Okay. This person's really detail oriented. You know, you put a car on the lift or you got a truck and you're on your creeper and you're under it and you guys are under it and you're like, Hey man, do you see anything? What are you looking at? And they're like, they're cross-eyed and they don't even see nothing. Is there an oil leak right here? You know, what do you think? What does it, where does it kind of look like where it's from? You just start quizzing them, you know, see how their brain works. Or if you're swapping a part out and they're right there with you, you know, you, I like to give them a step-by-step instruction just from, from me. Yeah. Like, Hey, 
I want you to do this and I want you to do this step one, two, and three. I'll be back in like 20 minutes. And then I go off and do what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I come back and I check on them and I'm like, Hey, where are you at? If they've just went off and forget about what I'm trying to tell them, it's like, this ain't gonna work, you know? So that's, I mean, that's the thing right there, you know, can they follow instruction? That's a, that's a big deal. And then as they, as they progress, I always just kind of, I'll add steps. Okay. And I want them to kind of do it from memory because when we get the, the better we get, the more things we have to do for memory, you know? Yeah. We always have the re- repair instruction to go back to, but we, we look at a repair instruction and I've got a page in my mind. All the only thing I'm going to go back and check is, was that 150 foot pounds? Yep. I'm going back to the truck and right. I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? So I, I like to hit them with that, that, that one, two, three, and then four, five, six, and, and so on and so forth. And you're going to figure out real quick, is this person mechanical in nature? Because double wrenching, we, we, we've all been working on stuff forever and we take that for granted that, you know, how to, how to use leverage to your advantage. Right. These new people don't understand that. Some of them do. Some of them do. They get it right away. And they'll be like, Oh, You'll see them looking at it and trying to figure <laughs> out how they're going to do it. And then boom, you know, and they get it. Or I can put a pry bar on the end of that. And then I can use leverage this way to push down on my ratchet or whatever. And, and so you got to look for that kind of stuff. Okay. This person's going to be mechanical right away. I, this, this person gonna be good at fixing things. Or, you know, I trained a female mechanic and I thought, man, she's going to be real good diagnostic tech because very quickly, I figured out that what she was interested in was because that's something I want them to be. I want them to be interested and passionate about what they're working on. Some people are, are, are passionate about engines and some people are passionate about transmissions and some people, you know, drivetrain and suspension work. And so you really gotta, you gotta figure the person out too. You know, you gotta quiz them and what do you like, Yeah. you know, and, and what she was really good at was understanding how systems work together you know, EGR systems and how, how, what is that doing to the engine and how is it affecting the after treatment system downstream? And she, she could remember those items. And I was like, you know, she could, she was good with the computers. She could get hooked up easily if she she didn't get discouraged and she would swap things out and try different things and try different adapters before I'd even, she wouldn't come to me until she'd already tried it all. She's already tried it all. And now I can't get hooked up and I've come over there and then like a wizard, get hooked right in, you know? <laughs> well, that's it, that right there, when you're looking at mentorship and, and being able to coach a younger person up, the, the fact that she had the initiative to do all of that stuff ahead of time. And, you know, I think that's one of the common things I see in a shop where veteran techs get frustrated is that they'll try one thing and then go back to the veteran tech and then ask them and then that doesn't work yeah. and then they go back and then maybe they don't even listen to what the advice that the veteran tech said and then it just the veteran tech gets very frustrated <laughs> so i've talked yeah, to yeah. young techs about that all the time i'm like listen listen take initiative if you don't know how to take initiative ask somebody because that's something that's that's a lot of times intuitive, but for some people it's not. And if you can just understand like, okay, what are those things that I need to try? And, and, you right. know, even if it is going back to a service manual and being able to, to look it up, you know, I think, I, I don't, I'm curious with your thought on this. When a, a shop has so much pressure on it to produce in terms of revenue, I think it puts pressure on that young person to grow faster than a lot of times they're able to, right? Yes. 
Oh yeah. You left that open-ended for me. Yeah. Well, and I, cause I think it is, it's, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's something that yeah, I've yeah. seen a lot where it, there's, there's pressure on the veteran techs. I think sometimes I, the, the young tech feels that, right? They feel like they hear the veteran right. tech saying, oh, you know, I, this is what I produced this week. And the, the young tech is like, I, I didn't even get close to that. Yeah, that yeah. person's frustrated about themselves. What am I? Yeah, yeah. So the best way to, if you're, if you're in a mentor, if you're a mentor right now and, and you're looking at, at, at that type of situation, you should be, you should keep that, those cards to yourself. Because it's not about you. It's not yeah. about what you made this week. It's not about how many hours you pulled this week. It's not about well, what your labor sales were this week. It's it's about them. What what were their labor sales? What is your expectation for your mentee? I set a weekly expectation. I set an efficiency and productivity expectation. The reason being is because even for, though for the mentee, com- for the yes. for the per- yeah okay. For the person that I'm mentoring, my company doesn't have an expectation on me for how I'm mentoring them, but I have one for myself. And so what I try to do is I set a sales goal with my mentee, and then I set an efficiency goal and a productivity goal for my mentee, and then we work towards it. And And it's important that you 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 put it right right within reach so that they, they'll work their work their work, and you got to be there to support them because they're going to fall. They're going to fall down. They're not make it. They're not going to make it for a little bit. You know, you get that, but that expectation's got to be right where they can get it, and then, and then you're there to support them and push them and and grow them and build that confidence because when they get it, when they get that first one, boom, yeah, and they see it, it all kind of comes together because now that that confidence is building, the confidence in you as their mentor is building, that loyalty, that confidence, all of those things, and then that next week you're like, I want five k more. You can do it. Yeah, I believe in. I'm here for you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be here to raise you up. Let's do it. Well, and you're you're built the small wins built in every week, right? When you're the doing small that. wins, build the confidence. That's the yes, key. that's the key. Yes, you know, it's it's always a small win. It's small win with diagnostics, right? It, you know, you're tra- you're training that gal or that guy, and 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 you know they're going to be good at, at at diagnostics, and you're like, okay, I know, I, I've they have done this diagnostic with me before, so now I'm just gonna. I'm just going to send them, go, go check it out. And then they're like, Oh, these are the codes that I got. And Oh, well, where would you go from there? You know, knowing that you guys just looked at that last week and they're like, well, I was thinking maybe I should check this and this. All right, well, check it out. So let me know. I'll be over here. And then they check it out and they figure it out. And then they come back and they're pumped. Check it out. I figured it out. And you're like, well, heck yeah. Fist bump, dude. Nice work. Right. The Wrenchway app helps technicians in the automotive, diesel, and heavy equipment industries by making it easier to search for jobs and highlighting the best shops to work at. The app is completely free to use and can be downloaded in the App Store or on Google Play. We've included a link in the show notes with more information. I don't think we do a great job of that in most shops of celebrating small wins because I've said this for years that that is the downfall of a lot of young techs is that they're not able to gain confidence fast enough to be able to to actually do things and what happens is a manager gets frustrated and a lot of times i i think the manager has some some level of responsibility for that person failing one you were the one that hired them but then two maybe you didn't adequately train them to where they should be 
And it's, it's frustrating because, you know, even for my own story, I feel like I was a little bit that way where it was like, if you lose confidence early when you're working on cars, equipment, trucks, whatever it is, it's easy because then that next thing you get beat up in, you're taking the, the last job that you got beat up on, you take that into the next job, which is going to impact the next job because it's it, it just, it, it for some people, it sticks with them. And if you're not helping them build confidence and getting towards a goal, you're, you're they're going to struggle. And I, I love your approach to that because I think that is so, so smart to getting a person to get that confidence built up and not expect them to do advanced diagnostics in the second week oh, yeah. in the shop. That's the thing is you're creating a hammer for five years from now, right? You're not creating a hammer for next month or next quarter or next year. I'm creating hammers for five years from now. I'm creating technicians that can be service managers. You know, I take all of these things. We're like at like the, the bottom tier here of my mentorship, you know, because this is a, this is a full deal. You know, they can call me after work. They can call me five years from now. I don't care. And you know, we're there. We're just touching the iceberg brother, but I want to jump back real quick. Yeah. You were talking about, you know, that manager needs to take a little bit of the responsibility. Right. And that, that brought something to my mind is that if you're a shop and you're out here trying to do something with some mentors in your shop, you really need to, this is a double win here. You need to have your mentor and involved in the hiring of the mentees. Yes. Yes. Okay. Full stop front to back. Like they need to be involved in looking at the resumes with the manager because that puts, that puts more personal pride on the mentor to want this to succeed because now I put my stamp on it. If I put my stamp on a mentee, a mentee and I'm like, that's the guy or the gal that I want to train by God, they're going to make it because I'm going to give it everything I got. because <laughs> I put my name on it, right? I put my name on it, my reputation. And so it's just like, if, if, if your buddy's like, Hey man, can you, can you help me get a job over at your work? And you're like, nah, fam, I don't think you're, you're fit for it. You know what I mean? Cause I ain't put my name on it, you know? You are 100% right. And then you've got buy-in from the mentor right off the bat where I, you know, I've seen it in shops where somebody might be a mentor, but they're not fully bought into the person that they're actually training and coaching up. Right. right? Like it's, it's, it's so you've got to be in it. You got to yeah. be in it because you're going to have a relationship with that person from the very get go. Like if I go the way I got brought into the mentorship really heavily too, like I had a good thing going. And then when I went to Kenworth, I had a fantastic service manager, and he wanted me to be in it from the from the get go, from the beginning. So we would go to the the hiring events at the college, and that's when when I really got into it. I was really pumped about it then because it's like now, like I said, it's my name's on it. Like that's the that's the kid I want. That's the one. Get them, whatever it takes. Get that person, and I'm gonna train them up, and they're gonna be hammered. And and like I said, I'm I'm looking at five year hammers. I'm looking at guys that will be foremans in five to eight years. Those are the guys and gals that I want to train the best, the, the, the best possible ones that, that can be out there, you know, but sometimes they're not always, they're not always going to be a, a stud. You know, that's something you're going to run into mentors out there. They're not all going to be amazing. So yeah. you, you do, that's where you got to focus on that thing that they're good at. That one thing, figure out that one thing they're, they're good at swapping parts that dude could do or gal could do uh, an engine harness in five hours and it's a 12 hour job or whatever because they're lanky or whatever. So you, you got to find that small thing that they're good at and focus in and then really drive it, drive it home, build that confidence, 
little bit by little bit. And then, you know, when you're done with your mentorship at eight months or six to eight months or a year or whatever you guys decide to do, and then you cut them loose on the floor, you got that one thing, right? The foreman knows it. The service rider knows it. That guy or gal is good at that thing. Let's get them on it. Let's make some money. Yeah. I, I, I really like that approach. Now, I want to talk as we get about 10 minutes left on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Talk about your like where this comes from. Why do you like being a mentor? Why do you like I know in prior conversations we talked about legacy and the importance of kind of leaving a trail behind mm-hmm. you of, of really, really outstanding people. Where did that come from? Because I don't feel like every tech is that way. I don't know, man. That's a good, that's a good one. I feel like there's that, that saying is kind of a, I don't know, buzz, buzz saying or whatever you see those. Kind of a buzzword type of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think a long time ago, a few years ago, when I first got on LinkedIn, I seen a, a deal and it was like, and correct me if you've heard it is the measure of a leader is how many leaders you create. Right. Yeah. And I thought, man, that's pretty serious business, you know? And that, that's the legacy right there. So like all these guys and gals out there that I've trained and they're out there doing fantastic. You know, I talk to them and keep up with them and, you know, some of them still call and, you know, Hey, I just, I got a job offer for assistant service manager. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Good for you. I'm proud of you, you know? And one thing about being a mentor is it's made me a better father. And being a father has made me a better mentor. And so that's one thing I feel like it really fuels some of this success and the mentorship part, because, you know, I'm not a real sensitive person and I'm not the, the Marine Corps kind of made me that way. And it's, it's hard to show affection and feeling and and be open about my feelings. And so I struggle with that. And I work really hard at that because I want my sons to know that it's OK to, sure. to show your emotion in a healthy way. And so one thing, you know, I feel like people and, and fathers out there don't do enough is tell their sons and their daughters that they're proud of them. Yeah. And so, and there's a lot of mentees out there that when you hit them with that, I'm real proud of you. It, it chokes you up. It chokes me up thinking about it right now. Same, you know? same, same. It gave me you goosebumps. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And you hit them with that, man, I, I'm just, I'm real proud of you. You know, you, you, you I'm beaming with with pride at how successful you are and, and how great you're doing. And those are things they don't get from the service manager. Those are things they're not getting from their branch managers or their vice presidents or any, any of those people. You're the only one that can give that to them. And so, and they may not have ever got that growing up even, you know? And so, especially in our uh, industry. Oh yeah. 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 And, and you got to remember, they're going to do stupid things and they're going to do things that upset you. And, and, but you know, it's our job as mentors to, to bring them up, correct them, get them back on track, you know, just be out there supporting. And I think one thing that techs underestimate is how much weight that carries that might carry as much or more weight than the, the owner of the company coming out and saying the same thing, because they see you day in and day out and, they know how hard you work and how good you are at what you do. And so for, for somebody like you or any other veteran tech, that's really good at their job out there to go up to a young person and tell them that they're proud of them. 
I mean, that that hits at its core, right? And especially like yeah. in, in our industry, that's not just a, a given. You're not just getting a, no. a whole bunch of attaboys all the time, right? Like I, yeah, I think yeah. I think that the, the weight that that carries when a veteran tech pulls somebody aside and says that they're proud of them, that might outweigh what anybody else in the shop can say. Dude, serious business, you know, don't, don't hey, mentors out there, don't be handing out those. I'm proud of you. Just 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 all, all willy nilly. But you got to hit them. When, when they count, you know what I mean? You'll know it. You'll know it because they, they might be just a heck of a day and they're struggling through a project and they're really grinding through it. It's a, it's a job, right? And some, you, everybody gets one of them jobs and especially junior technicians and they're, they're really grinding on one and you can see it. And that's when you got to hit it, you know, yeah. give, give them that, that extra confidence that, you know, they need to know that you have the confidence, every confidence that they can complete that, and get through it and grind it out, hit them with the, you know, Hey, this is a grind, you know, this is a project and there's going to be days like this and I'm not always going to be there to help. And you're going to have to grind it out on your own. And, but right now I'm here and I just want you to know, proud of you, man. That's the, that's the best stuff. You're, you're leaving a legacy out there. You're, you're impacting a lot of lives and, you know, from an industry standpoint and viewing you from afar, I think you're, you're doing some great stuff and I appreciate you taking some time today to, to join us for the podcast. A lot of incredible insight from the shoes of a technician. I mean, I, I just think that's so important that we get that message out there and, and appreciate everything you're doing out there. Oh yeah, brother. I appreciate you helping us, us, us normal dudes get our, and gals to get our, get our five minutes of a spotlight, you know? <laughs> it won't be your last. I guarantee that. We'll get you back <laughs> on again, but appreciate you joining us and look forward to the next time. All right, brother.